this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. And I am so excited today to have Jamie with me. Welcome, Jamie. Hey, Emily. It's great to be with you. This is going to be an amazing conversation and so much fun. Um, But before we get started, we do want to just have you introduce yourself. You're pretty well known, especially (laughs) in the Houston area. But for the people that may just randomly not know who you are, um, my Australia people that's listening, <laughs> for them. <laughs> well, Emily, uh, like you, I'm uh, from the Peach State, uh, great state of Georgia, and I uh, grew up there until I went to school at Clemson University in, uh, in, in South Carolina. I was a soccer player all my life and played at Clemson, and we were fortunate enough to win a couple of national championships. Um, one of the things with my kids is I'm focused on them understanding what it is they want to do when they leave college because I never did that. I, uh, I left college, had no idea, went to work for IBM in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. I spent three years there. I mean, it was a good experience, but I clearly didn't, it wasn't a calling for me. And I was really looking for a calling, um, something that I was truly passionate about and discovered, you know, during a break before going to graduate school that I really wanted to either be a coach or work in a sports business, but athletics needed to be part of my life. So, I got an MBA. I coached at Indiana University and uh, worked in the athletic department. And at the end of that, decided, you know, it really is a a sports business. I I don't think coaching is really for me, Um, although leading is coaching. Right. Um, So I I couldn't find a job in sports. I'd done tons of informational interviews. So I took a job with Procter & Gamble in brand management. And just like the IBM experience, great organization. I learned a ton, but it wasn't fulfilling for me. I didn't feel like I was living my purpose. Uh, and was very fortunate. One of those informational interviews resulted in an opportunity to join Lamar Hunt and his organization to start uh, a team in major league soccer that would become known as the Columbus Crew. And they're still around. I spent five years there and then um, just things just seemed to happen to me. You know, I got a call from a headhunter. She said she wanted to uh, me to interview for the Houston NFL franchise. So I led the start up of the business. Yeah, second startup, and uh, I spent 20 years there. And you know, as of about six days ago, I've decided that 20 years is long enough, and I need to find my next uh, opportunity to do something really special with some great people. I've got two kids, Chris and Caroline. Son Chris is at TCU. My daughter's here in, in high school, still almost done. Um, and my wife Melissa. We've been married for 22 years. They're kind of the reason to be for me. Mm, I love it, and it's so. It's so meaningful whenever you do get to walk out in your purpose and, and finding it and getting to do what you you know that you're designed to do on this earth. And I think this actually flows beautifully into what you're not sorry for. 
So, Jamie, tell the world what you're no longer apologizing for. Well, I I came into the sports world without any experience in the industry. 29 years old, really hadn't done much management leadership, and I started at the very top. And it was really difficult. I mean, it was a trial by fire, had to learn by doing, making mistakes, working you know, just working incredibly hard, but our launch of our team was exceptional. I mean, we had a sold out crowd on day one with about six months ramp up. Uh, Mm -hmm. The first season was magical. The four seasons were magical. We built the first soccer specific stadium in the United States, built the first training facility for an MLS franchise. And by the time I was done there, I really, I mean, I felt like I'd had 16 NBAs and, uh, and learned that really learned at the, at the foot of uh, Lamar Hunt in terms of the sports business, what matters and and how do you achieve success with a sports franchise? And so, you know, uh, most people work their way up from ticket sales or sponsorship sales and eventually get this opportunity after a long time. I had the opportunity to pole vault in. And actually the idea came to me of trying to come in at the top uh, when I was between IBM and going to graduate school, I met a guy just by chance in Arizona. And he said, Jamie, do you know what you'd get by uh, putting your nose to the grindstone? And I said, no. He said, you get a shorter nose. You need to get in as high as you can. You may not know everything, but you'll learn. If you're smart and you work hard, you'll fill the gaps. You'll get people around you that balance out your skill set. And that's actually the way that it turned out. Mm-hmm. And I and I bet he saw a good leader in you because that, in my my opinion, that works if you're a good leader and if you have the people skills and the emotional intelligence to have those conversations. But I think that's so powerful in that one that somebody saw your greatness, but then on top of that, encouraged you. And then I bet though you've had discipline throughout. Well, you cannot not have a discipline and be a national championship for Clemson. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> how has that helped too? Because what I also see is a lot of people, I see a lot of millennials, and I see that they want to jump. They want to skip steps at times. And what I would, I, I would love your opinion on, you still were very disciplined, were you not? Or did you, did you feel like you got to skip steps? Well, I, I skipped steps in the traditional sense, but I spent the time to learn all of what I needed to know in order mm-hmm. to, in order to lead effectively. And you made a really astute uh, observation about leadership. You know, in my study of leadership, it's, it's almost all about emotional intelligence. You know, when you, when you compare technical skill and IQ to EQ, EQ is much, much more important because the higher you go in any organization, the more you do people and the less you do things. It's about your ability to get results through others. So leadership is really all about the people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the powerful thing that many people don't see play out or, and we, I've talked about this on the show a good bit, but like people get promoted because they have the good skill sets. But then they get thrown into like this conflict management and they'll just sweep everything all over the rug under the rug or they'll try to overcompensate and then get burned out. So what advice would you give to people that are on this path to leadership? Because it doesn't have to be conventional. And I would actually argue the better stories come from the conventional path. 
Well, I, I think you, you know, at the core, number one, a couple of things. First of all, you, you have to want to lead. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be a leader, if it's not important to you, it's not going to work. You can't mm-hmm. fake it. It's got to be something that you desperately desire to do. Number two, you have to realize that leaders aren't up here. Leaders are down here. They're the ones who are supporting their teammates. They're giving them resources, giving them guidance, knocking obstacles out of the way, creating a process that allows them to deliver their best performances. And you know, you you need to allow them to get the sunlight, them to get the recognition and the rewards. Uh, you know, the leader kind of just you just kind of assume that if my team, you know, you have to you have to you have to buy in that if my team is successful, I'm successful. Mm. Um, and all my emails, my people know this, that it my tagline is the kiss of death is to be the genius with 10,000 helpers instead be the genius with 10,000 geniuses. Yeah. And the beauty that comes with having people that can come in and all, also feel your gaps like. If you have to be good at everything, it is overwhelming. Right. Like, so talk about that for a minute about people, just bringing people in, looking at like our processes, looking at how we interact with each other and how can leaders better help fill the gaps and the voids that they sometimes feel like they have to overcompensate with, but they don't have the capacity for. Well, you, uh, as a leader, you come with some from some place, some piece that you are really good at. And that, that the trick is, or one of the tricks is you've got to give up some of that. You, you know, you can't be doing the blocking and tackling of your functional expertise and be able to oversee a broader platform of the organization. Likewise, if your strength is in marketing, let's say, you don't have to understand all the inner workings of the accounting department and finance but you need to know enough to be able to ask great questions, to, to, to challenge them and encourage them to think. You know, they're, they're, the, they're the subject matter expert, but you're the conductor who's making it all work together. And so you have to have an understanding, but you don't have to know it all. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a great eye for talent. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone said to me one time, you, you need to either hire, uh, hire better or manage more. The, the the worst job you do on the front end, getting the, the team around you, the more time you have to spend handholding, giving direction. In my, in my mind, I'd rather get somebody in, show them the ropes, make it really clear what the expectations are, make a decision on an outcome that that individual needs to deliver themselves and through the people that report to them, and then hold them accountable for those results. Not, not in a negative way, but how'd you do? How'd you do? You said you're going to do X. It's a little off. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's worse. Why? How can we be, do better going forward? Eventually, if somebody doesn't, you know, meet the mark enough, it's time to move on. But, you know, you want to be learning and getting better and, and being there to help coach them to be the best person that they can be. Oh, you're speaking my language. My people <laughs> on here know this because you were like accountability, which is huge. Like, Everybody and people that listen in, our our goal at WorkSpe is to create a space for accountability, connection, and results. Life impacting results is our end. But I think it's so important for people to understand that for you to you will get an ROI. Like my father, he he has taught me this with his businesses, successful businesses. Your bank account will reflect how you care for your people. Care for your people, like and. 
but it's the also the thing is that that learning and that growing and the uh, my other favorite part is you have real life experience a lot of this stuff that there's like leadership people that come in and they talk theoretically you have the lived experience i i've been blessed to have the lived experience i've been blessed to watch my father do it and whenever you actually walk it out it's very difficult for a leader not to understand the roi on people so but that's still like even whenever i come and talk with some some leaders they're like but i gotta have the monetary side of it you've built up uh, the texans uh, was or still is one of the most successful businesses in the nfl so talk about that on how it does make a difference how it does make like why are we still talking about this in 2021 but we still are you know how does it make an impact financially well, uh, I mean, uh, th there, there are three key questions that leaders have to have great answers for over time. Number one is who. So the people that you get involved with the organization. Uh, I've always found that the, the key to victory in somebody is they have to have general technical capability. But if they have a great work ethic, they have a winning attitude, they're positive, optimistic, team oriented, and they want to operate in a manner consistent with the values, the culture of the organization mm -hmm. that more often than not, it works. The actual work product, I, I can't recall, it does, not very often, unless you're in a highly measurable area, like in sales, let's say, mm -hmm. that, that, it's all, that it's all about the work product. It's more mm -hmm. about the attitude, the work ethic, and the uh, operating consistently with everyone else in the organization, what the values are that we have. Number two is the culture and the culture is the values, but really it's the habits of the individuals, the things that people do naturally over time. And as a leader, you own culture. I mean, you need to clearly articulate it and the clarity is so important. What, what do you expect of me? Actually, uh, Gallup would say that the most important thing in someone's happiness and engagement in their job is that they know what's expected of them every day. So having those clear expectations of what we're all about and you have to over communicate it. You can't just sit on the wall. You got to find a way to get it into people's heads and then into their hearts. So they naturally operate that way. They're inspired mm -hmm. to operate that way. And then number three, maybe the most important one, and you've talked about passion. And I think it's so important in an organization. I call it purpose. What are we here to do? When I was at Indiana, there was a professor who made a comment in class. He said, the business, the, the purpose of business is profit. And I could see all the investment, you know, future investment bankers being like, yeah, absolutely. That's right. I was like, went home. I said, that's not right. That's not right. There's an ecosystem related to this organization. Your investors need to earn a return, but you're, you're, uh, there should be value created for your employees, and particularly for your exceptional employees, for your customers, for your community. And that central organization needs to serve all of those constituencies and that's, you know, when I think about the Texans, one of the easy, the most, it was not easy. It was this simple, but effective. We were about winning championships, creating memorable experiences and doing great things for Houston. Those are only three things we talked about. And I knew that if we could execute on that in an exceptional way, do the simple things and uh, the, you know, simple things in a, in an exceptional way, we could get exceptional results. And so, for 20 years, it's been that way. Um, and I'm looking forward to my next opportunity to apply some of these things and learn more and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and try to do something 
something great somewhere else. And that's the other thing is all great leaders are learners. I think that's one thing that I really have to hit on too. And the other thing you make my heart happy too, because a lot of times people will be like, communication is the uh, the reason, leading reason for like divorce, leading reason for conflict. And I, I say clear expectations are it. Mm-hmm. You have to have clarity and then you have to have expectations yep. because I can clearly communicate what I want to my spouse. But if that is not his expectation, <laughs> it's not going to go well. And it's the same with my business. It's not going to be the same if, if we see X's and O's, but they're not clearly communicated in an aspect of expectations. They'll, they'll hit the butt heads a lot. Have you well, seen ex- that? Yeah, expectations, clarity, and then now you're talking about alignment. Mm-hmm. We have to be aligned. We all have to agree, you know, um, in terms of a purpose, we all have to agree that that's where we want to go. In terms mm-hmm. of the culture, we all need to agree that that's how we want to operate. Now, fortunately, over time, we built this culture that everybody bought into. And so then we could look at candidates through the lens and they needed to choose for themselves. Is this the kind of place that I want to be or not? We're not changing. Mm-hmm. You, you and you can't break the rules. You can only break it, break yourself against it, right? Because this is the standard here. Mm-hmm. Yay! Oh, my heart is so happy with all of this too. Because um, I didn't know how this conversation was going to go. <laughs> we but never do. <laughs> it makes me even more happier. Um, but the thing too, because another thing that I harp on, and again, my listeners like she's gonna bring it up again. Um, I'm not for like-minded. I'm for like-hearted, and that's an essence. Like you have a value base because the diversity of thought allows for better growth and innovation, in my experience. Because, like my people, they challenge me, and I'm so grateful for that. But we still have the same mission and the same heart to create a community and create a, a space, but it's, it's, it's seen differently. So what has been your example or what's been possibly an example for you that you've seen where how leading through values is not the exact same as we're all yes men? Yeah, that's right. I, the values are at the core, but you do need, uh, you know, a Otherwise, we're all agreeing all the time. And, and so, you know, what's the saying that if, uh, if you and I agree all the time, then one of us is not, not needed, right? Mm-hmm. You do want people to challenge. Uh, you, you do want people to challenge ideas, help to think more broadly about issues. Uh, I've, I've always thought of people's personalities, and I think you can test it and it winds up this way, but you can actually just kind of, I can feel it from people mm-hmm. that they're, they're agreeing people that are so grounded. I mean, they want to make sure we uh, dot all the I's, cross all the T's before we go and do something. Those are typically, you know, IT people and lawyers and things of that nature. Then you've got red people. They are on fire all the time. They are all pedal, no get, no break. Just we let's get something done. Come on, let's you know, let's get rolling. And then you've got blue people that are all about the individuals. Well, they want everyone to feel comfortable feel happy, feel safe. Then you got the yellow people, which I'm, I'm a yellow that I'm over the horizon, but don't make me do the blocking and tackling. Right. It, it, like for example, now in this environment, don't make me manage my calendar. Right. I'm going to mess that up all day long, but I can come up with a great business idea that nobody has seen and bring it back to the group and have this group of diverse people work through, you know, we work through the green issues, the blue issues, the red issues, the yellows already solved because of the vision. 
Um, and so when you can have that variety of people around the table, I think you get to get to better outcomes. Oh, I love that. And it makes me think of, oh, we see that we have people that talk about things. There's people that find things. There's people that um, think about things. There's people that do things. And, there you and go. All, That's very similar. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, but it does, it makes a difference in getting them like literally for any of my clients. So if we make them all come around the table because they help each other. Um, I'm, I'm a visionary. I'm, I'm always been that. I see the big picture and I literally tell my, my team all the time. I'm like, paint my steps, paint my steps for me because I don't like, I know I'm missing something here. Yeah. And it, it's, but it's the thing though, is I know where my gifts are and I can walk out unapologetically bold in what I know I'm good at. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm overconfident or I'm cocky with it, but it knows, I know where my strengths and my weaknesses are. And so when, 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 you, when you have a diverse group like that, the key is as a leader, you know, working hard and this, this takes intentional effort to facilitate collaboration, to facilitate shared goals, objectives, vision, and building trust so that that because there's certain personalities that'll be bold, unapologetically bold, maybe. And there's certain people that if someone comes at them hard, they're going to back off. But everybody's got to feel like when we're around the table, you know, you can disagree without being disagreeable. We can we can say anything we want as long as we say it the right way. But those norms don't just happen. The leaders got to set that as an expectation and model it themselves. And then uh, uh, Samuel Johnson said people need to be reminded much more than they need to be instructed. You know, you can't get angry that somebody isn't following the norm. You've got to just sit them down and remind them. Remember, this is how we do it. And, and they'll know. They'll say, I know I went. I just went over the top, but I just had enough. Great. Let's back off. Can you go apologize? And let's get back together again as a team, because we're going to be a high performing team. And that's so powerful, too, with that. And it's so true with high, high performing teams. It's that awareness. It's to know that they even went over the top or even to know. But then also some people are like rules and regs. We shouldn't have those just. But yes, they're in place to, I think, to take care of the culture. It's right. not to punish. I mean, a lot in the safety world, like it's not to punish. It's to create relationships because we want you to continue to perform. We want you to be at your highest ability. But if you're in a situation that you don't feel safe or comfortable, and it's not like we're not going to have like the aspect of something's not going to trigger you or making you have like an emotional reaction. No, that that's not what we're talking about because we're going to disagree and we may get a little heated with it, but we're going to still love, respect and show kindness throughout the ways. And I know you've been in a lot of boardrooms, right? How have you seen this flow through and being the leader that shows up and is wise in their actions? to be able to walk people through difficult conversations? Well, I think two, two skills are incredibly important to, for a leader. And one is to listen, you know, listen more than you talk, listen and process before you opine. And number two is to ask great questions. My line is the question is the answer. You know, the more you ask questions, when you make a statement, you shut people down. Mm -hmm. There's no reaction to a statement. 
when you ask questions, you invite people in for a conversation. And when I think about organizations, and you know, I, the Houston Texans is not a big organization. Probably I go next is not a big organization. So you do have direct connection with all the people in the organization. So you're not, you're not distributed throughout the country or the world. So you can have one-on-one -on -one conversations. You can engage in management by walking around, just asking people, say, hey, what's your biggest challenge? What do you think's the biggest opportunity? Surveys, because the answers are all out there if you're willing to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. And that's so important and so true. And being willing to have the, the to take in the feedback, because it makes me think um, one of the clients I've worked with, um, they're all over the world. And we created champion networks. We created ways that so that we could all have feedback and they have like their own little their own little grassroots effort. But one of the things that came back from it was that people were stressed out. Sixty seven percent of them were stressed out. But the leadership team was not ready to hear it. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't do anything for it with it for a year and a half. Yeah. And just let it sit. So talk about accepting that feedback with leadership yeah. like what's your opinion on it well fortunately i come from a marketing uh background you know uh consumer behavior it's all about research and i i've just one of the principles that i've had never ask a question unless you're prepared to react to it you know and reacting doesn't mean you get what you want people need to feel like they have a voice and if they give their voice and they don't get a some kind of feedback, they're going to stop giving you their voice because there's no use. But if you you have a right to be heard, but you don't have a right to get what you want and people can accept it. I've given you this feedback. Like, for example, for years, uh, I got feedback that people wanted to do teleworking and we talk about it as a leadership team report back. Hey, this is one of the things you guys said, but we've come to a decision that we're a highly collaborative organization. And we've just not been able to get our mind wrapped around it. Now, you know, uh, necessity is the mother and father of ingenuity, right? So mm -hmm. during this COVID window, everybody working from home, like, wait a minute, maybe there are some opportunities to do teleworking. And so we'll figure out the right balance going forward. But you absolutely have to respond. Again, you, when, when you get that feedback, you have two mindsets that you can approach it with, an acceptance mindset or a growth mindset. The acceptance mindset sits in that boardroom and says, ah, they're not that stressed out. That's no big deal. The growth mindset says, hmm, well, let's dig a little deeper into that. What, what do we think the biggest issues are? What are what's the low-hanging fruit, maybe? What are the easy things that we can do to relieve some of this pressure? You know, or we've looked at it and it's way too, it's way too early to take any steps, or it's too expensive, or we just don't feel like it, or whatever the answer is, just listen to what people are telling you and then respond and they can handle it if they don't get what they want. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the beauty that sometimes I've seen leadership treat employees as if they're children and not giving or just not wanting to have the feedback or the discussion with them and that thinking that they're going to pitch a fit and everything's going to go awry. Um, sometimes that does happen. But majority of the time, what I, and it makes the news, is really what I, I found. And I'm thinking of like Amazon right now and the union aspect is, is really. But the thing is, is that we still have the ability to listen and 
majority of people just want to come together. They want to work. They want to not just work for a paycheck, but for a purpose and a meaning. Um, what do you think on that? Well, I think your last point is absolutely right. I mean, every organization, some are easier than others. I, I will, I'll admit, having worked in a sports franchise, positioning it such that people find tremendous meaning in their daily work is easier for me. But I, I would argue, and I do in my book, that it may be a little more difficult, but every leader needs to look for what human needs for our employees can we solve by the purpose that we're pursuing. There's a bank here at Amogee. I mean, they don't talk about being banks. They talk about helping people realize their dreams, the business dreams, the family dreams. And when I'm doing that, that feels so much better. There's a story that I tell that uh, three, three bricklayers and uh, the guy asked the first one, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm laying bricks. The second one, he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a wall. Third one, he says, I'm building a great cathedral for our uh, community to come together and worship the Lord. What mindset is more inspiring, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's, it's, it's just how you think about your work. And as a leader, reminding people over and over and over that, number one, we are, do, we are fulfilling our mission. And to a person, you play a big role in this mission. Mm, amen to that one. Oh, so I know we're right at the end of our time and I can I really could continue this conversation for a good bit. But I do want to take some time. Um, it's a two part final question. Yeah. People who are apologizing for having an unconventional path to leadership. What would you say to them? Um, you know, don't let the turkeys get you down. You know, <laughs> also, there's a, a Kenny Chesney song called Big Star. And uh, it talks about how this karaoke singer becomes amazing and her high school girlfriends cut her down. You know, hey, uh, uh, all she thinks about is where she is and where they are now. And mm -hmm. you, uh, you can't get what you're going unless you've got something that they ain't got, right? Those are some of the lines in the song. And as I listen to it, I listen to it while I'm running. I'm like, that's right. You know, I, I may not have gotten here in the conventional way, but I must have something because I've lasted for 25 years and seen tremendous results. Uh -huh. It isn't about it isn't about the path. It's about the results. Mm, and it's so and that's so important uh, on not giving up to, <laughs> you know, is, is to push through having patience and it's going to be a lot of suck. It doesn't mean like they see you up high and it's like, oh, it's been an amazing road. Like there's probably been a lot of hard times through this that people don't realize. And so that is the one thing that I love is that that dedication. It's hard work. It yeah, is. Emily, well, Emily, you talked about passion. I mean, we keep coming back to passion. I just hope people have uh, the appropriate definition of passion. Because the Latin root word to it uh, is P-A-T-I, Patty, the willingness to suffer and sacrifice for what you hold dear. You think about Christ. I mean, the passion of Christ, that, that, that did not look like fun, right? But it, we, we mattered so much that that happened. And, it's, and, and this is, I mean, this is a totally different scale, of course. But when you, when you take, I mean, there's going to be hard days. It's like when you get married, for better or worse. And all you know for sure is it's going to get worse. You know, and what's going to keep you together is the fact that you are committed to this and mm -hmm. you want the bright days so badly that you'll go with the dark, dark days. Mm -hmm. And it's that love. And from a physiology, my, my people know this is that um, 
it's oxytocin. It's literally how we're designed, but that I call it the loving grandmother. But it's that it, that part of that passion. It is not just what I say with marriage. It's like the first day, like first day of marriage is like, that's a dopamine release. That's that rah-rah cheerleaders in the sand. Whenever you're having to help your husband be sick and like clean up after him, that's being patient, kind, honest, and understanding. And that's a part of the leadership journey all the way through that I've experienced in not only loving myself, but being able to love and lead others. That's spot on. <laughs> well, uh, second part, how can people reach out? You got a new book uh, that released in November and Correct. I want people to, to read it. <laughs> well, Emily, it's uh, it, it's labor of love. Really, I saw it as a gift of the world. There were all these ideas that I've developed over 25 years that I've seen really consistent success because of these fundamental principles. Um, it's at Amazon. Um, uh, there's also... Uh, jamieroots.com and LinkedIn has, uh, you know, I've got posts regularly going up, um, but it's a, it's a quick read. I've, what I've heard is it's a fun read. I've heard it's inspiring, uh, particularly for people who are, you know, early in their career to kind of see a vision of, of what's possible and, and how you go about making that happen. I love it. And I'll put links in the show notes below as well. So thank you so much for joining me, Jamie. This has been just a blessed conversation. And I want to thank all the listeners that we listening in and watching later. Y'all have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for if this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.